So the plan today is to bring balance to the force. Balance to the force. So much energy in Disney podcasts this past week has been focused on the dark side. Hmm. Genie Plus, the death of uh, the beloved Fast Pass, and evil Emperor Chapek draining loyal <laughs> fans of more and more money. Seriously, Chapek. <laughs> I want to talk about the birth of something new, hmm. a creative experience, a conduit for the imaginative flow of dedicated fans. So, uh, yeah, is there something I'm supposed to uh, do with that? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to the Easy Dizzit Podcast, a podcast all about Disney travel planning and entertainment through the lens of mindfulness, behavioral health, and humor. I'll bet you the entire sabaka pot that you're going to enjoy today's episode. And if you do, please be so kind as to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. That helps us get into more listeners' ears. Also, tell your protocol droid about us. They're typically capable of a six million different forms of communication. They should get something out of this. Today on the show, we're talking the new Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, booking October 28th. And then we'll talk to new friend of the show, Dave, about his recent trip to Disney World. He's got some great insight and was just super fun to talk to. Stay tuned for that. But first, we've got news, trivia, and mailbag with Autumn, the General Leia Organa, to my stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder self. Hey, Autumn, how's it going? <laughs> It's, I'm going, you know, after that, I'm feeling uh, feeling pretty good. Thank you. Oh, good to hear. Good yeah. to hear. All right. So what do you say we get right into actually mm-hmm. what's Disney that we've been watching? Oh, so I have made an interesting pact to try to watch uh, Halloween-themed uh, movies or TV That's shows. Right. So I've been doing that throughout the weekend on the weekend, which has been nice because I honestly, I always hated Halloween and now having a kid, I'm like working to get into it and just it's something fun to celebrate so anyway so i've been watching some old school disney movies we watched uh halloween town halloween town and halloween town 2 which i didn't know exist and then today i halloween realized halloween town high this halloween town high so there's a third one and I, my mind is blown that there's a third one but if you listened uh last week and if you didn't you should pause and go listen to that episode i talked about hocus pocus and how like i did love that as a kid but rewatching it i was like well mm. halloween town i think was a lot better holds of a up. movie holds, holds up more to me than than uh, hocus pocus so i guess we shouldn't be that surprised that there's a third i mean it seems like the kind of movie that needs a trilogy well i like i remember it but i still i, like, I remember it was like popular enough but i guess i'm surprised that it was third because hocus pocus i don't even know is there, i think there no there is i think a second hocus pocus but even that was i was just really surprised they went for three halloween towns it must have been more popular though you know in the 90s all right so let's get right into news are you ready uh yes i think i think so actually let me I'm not sure if I'm ready. Well, but I'll tell you what, take a second to get ready, and I'm going to explain to all the listeners yeah. uh, how we do news here on the Easy Dizzit Podcast. Oh, that's important. On the Easy Dizzit Podcast, we do highly suspect headlines. So I'm going to read four headlines to Autumn, mm-hmm. some of which might be legit, and some of which are fake news. And Autumn has to put on her sleuthing cap and determine which ones are fake and which ones are legit. Are you ready, Autumn? That was perfect. I am exactly ready now. Thank you. Good, good, good. All right. First one. Disneyland monorail to close permanently. Incorrect. You're saying that's fake news? I'm saying uh, incorrect is my final answer. And yes, it is fake news. All right. That is fake news. Actually, service resumed last Friday. 
Disneyland monorail is back. Woo woo! Yeah. It's a little different than the Disney World. Oh, it's a lot different from the Disney World monorail. It runs from downtown Disney right into the Tomorrowland of Magic Kingdom. So it can get you right into the park. Into downtown? Oh, yeah, it's downtown Disney then. Yeah, it runs into Tomorrowland of Disneyland, not Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, no, more closing news. Shrek 4D at Universal <gasps> Studios to close January 2022. What do you mean to close? It's closing. Shrek 4D has been there. Oh, is a show at what? At Universal Studios. Oh. I know nothing about Universal Studios. This is... <laughs> I don't know anything about Universal Studios. Okay. Good I'm going to say it's false. I feel like it wasn't there. It, ooh, oh, ooh, twist. Actually, it was there. It's been there for 17 years. <gasps> yeah. Shortly after the first <gasps> Shrek, Shrek movie huge. came out. Oh, yeah, love Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know. I felt like they didn't. Okay. Yeah. So it ends a 17-year run at the park. Wow. Um, it's funny because the the experience, the, the movie, the 3D or 4D movie serves as a sequel to the first Shrek movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It kind I would have loved to see that. No, I really like our like a huge Shrek family. Like so I remember you, when it came out and like it was just like yeah. madness with happiness. How so great you it was. may have actually already seen this. It's on the DVD release. Um, hmm. And it's also it's on Netflix now as The Ghost of Farquaad. No, I haven't seen that. No, no, no that's I want to though because I've seen so many times all three movies. <laughs> I love Shrek. I didn't know that that was a thing. That's Shrek cool. Shrek is um, probably one of the, the greatest movies of years. our time. That's, 17 years. Yeah. That's a long... That's awesome. You know, and this is... I'm going to go off on a side tangent here for a moment because as someone that is a Shrek person to see that go must be really hard. And something that I never got to see in Disney World, I think it might have been in Disneyland, Justin, you can tell me, mm. is Captain EO. Mm. So I would really Epcot. love to... If, if Please, if you're listening, if you've been, if you know someone that's been... Please reach out to us because I would really love to hear. I've never heard the experience of anybody on that ride. Mm-hmm. I just know it and I'm pretty sure I'd love it. But I have, yeah, it's an experience that I would want to know. And I know how I feel about Shrek. And somebody that hasn't had that experience, I would want to share with them. Yeah. So easydizitpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And I'll tell you what. We can put uh, the ghost of Lord Farquaad on uh, the Netflix. I'll get a spray bottle full of water. And I'll just mist you from time to time when the situation, <laughs> and I'll like shake the couch and stuff. Should we get John Lithgow on here? Because he is Farquaad. It's John Lithgow. He is. is Do you think he'd be a guest? I think it's worth a shot. All right. John, <laughs> if you're listening, we're going to be contacting your, your agent soon. Yep. Headline number three. Yep. Pat Sajak announced as one of the celebrity narrators for the Candlelight Processional. I have no idea who that is. I feel like I do not have, <laughs> I have no idea who that Pat is. Pat Sajak is the uh, game show host for Wheel of Fortune. Oh, that's his name? Pat Sajak. Is he new? That's been the... Uh, I think he's been there for quite some time. He's not like the original Wheel of Fortune guy, but... Right, right. And what is he going to do again? Yeah. He's going to be the narrator for Disney's Candlelight Processional. He's going to be one of the narrators. The Candlelight Processional, is that... I'm not familiar with that either. Yeah, so it's like a traditional Christmas story, and they have celebrity narrators every year oh. narrate it. Oh, they should get whoopee. That's she what may we have watched. done it. A, lo- a lot of celebrities have done it. Uh, I'm going to say it's true. It is true. Pat Sajak has been announced. Oh, cool. He was the only name on the list that I recognized. Okay. Sorry, other people who are doing the candlelight processional. Oh. I'm sure you're very famous. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Last one. Mm-hmm. Four. And this is kind of some local news here. We're here in Connecticut. Disney movie Chang Can Dunk starts filming in Stratford, Connecticut. 
Wait, Chang? Repeat the name. Yep. The name of the movie is Chang Can Dunk. C-A-N-D-U-N-K. C-H-A-N-G. Chang. Oh, Chang Can Dunk. Yes. New Disney film. Yes. Filming in Stratford, Connecticut. Just started this week. What? You're looking deep into my soul right now. You're trying to, you're trying to intuit the answer. Looking for tells. I'm using the force is what I'm doing. Oh, I'm, I'm using the force. Okay. Well, I'm a professional sabak player, so you're not going to oh. get any reads off me, lady. I'm going to say it's true. It is true. (laughs) The force wins. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So, yeah, according to IMDb, Chang Can Dunk, um, which I hope they changed the name. It's just not that. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, It's about a young Asian-American teen and basketball fanatic who wants to dunk, get the girl, but ends up learning about himself and others. (gasps) This is classic Disney Channel movie. <laughs> is this going to be a Disney Channel movie? Like, like this is this movie, is yeah. yes. The film is a sports drama and coming of age underdog story. I'm wondering why they're filming it in Stratford. Did you have any information? I mean, um, probably tax credits, I imagine. But how does that? Usually, mean? a lot of times movies are picked based on available tax credits and also location. So yeah. one of the things, actually, so Bunnell High School in Stratford will be. It's, I'm sorry. Justin's not from Rhode Island. I'm not. It's Bunnell. I'm not from Connecticut. You said Bunnell. <laughs> I love you. Sweetie. I'm not from Connecticut. I'm sorry for everyone that my husband just offended, but it's Bunnell. Bunnell. B-U-N-N-E-L-L. Yeah. It's Bunnell. Sure, we got a lot of Stratford listeners here on the podcast. <laughs> sure, we do. It is it's like next yeah. door to us. And also the city is orange, not orange. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, Connecticut. Learn to talk. Uh, so, Bunnell High School will be go. used as a rival school in the film, and Bunnell students will be used in many of the scenes. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah, the mar- They're really going to film it? That's... Yeah. The marching band is going to be in it as well. That's So, maybe that's why. So, Stratford isn't like... Yeah, though, they're known for... Do they have a good marching band? Yeah. Their music, their sports, they're like, okay, this makes sense. But, like, how cool is that? Like, they've been informed. The district's been informed. Do these kids know yet? Like, yeah, they're probably... I imagine if you know that the kid. I mean, that had to... I I'll, I'll let them know. Thank you, Disney, for bringing some of you to Connecticut. Because we're small and, you know, don't have a lot necessarily. Yeah. For for to offer Disney, but apparently <laughs> apparently we've got Stratford. You're trying to talk also, Disney out of this deal here. <laughs> no, I'm not. we're really boring and no, and no. You know what I was thinking about the other day because everyone kind of like hates on Connecticut, and I do myself too. But yeah. you know what I realized? What we have the best pizza and like local like craft beer. Like you're, you, I don't think you're gonna go anywhere yeah. else really in the country and get better pizza out except New York. Outside of New York, I think it's Connecticut, yeah. and then we got beer. So like that's pretty good, you know. Like that's yeah. We could be. I mean, those are two people live for those things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, would, I, I would even put New Haven pizza above New York pizza. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that ties up highly suspect headlines. Autumn, you did <laughs> you did pretty well this week. Did I? You got some right and you got some wrong, <laughs> but we're all a little bit smarter at the end of this. Most importantly, I used the force, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. and prevailed and won over the dark side. So I just, that's what's... Uh, okay. Yeah, you're trying to I trick me. I'm you're trying to trick side, me. Though. You're the dark side. Yeah. Now, uh, that takes us into our next segment, Ace Stumps J, where I guess I will be the dark side because yeah. I'm trying to stump Justin. Speaking of the dark side. Yeah. Here it comes. Disney trivia. <laughs> so I have five for Justin this week, and I'm really excited Whoa. because, uh, again, I keep I keep like hitting this rope where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to find anything else that he doesn't know. Like, there's so much on here that he knows. But I keep being surprisingly, uh, I don't know, 
surprisingly surprised that there's some more things that have I think will be good questions. Have you been listening to the podcast, Autumn? <laughs> <laughs> I have not gotten many of these correct. Well, hold on. Okay, so so I have five for Justin today. I'm ready this time. I've been studying. Okay, so this one's really interesting. Buzz Lightyear. And I'm gonna get, I have a hint prepared for you if you don't get the first one, which you probably won't. The first one, uh, Hercules related, as all of you fans know, love me some Hercules. Uh, the first monster that Hercules fights, what is that monster's name? Uh, Ceres? Is it the dog? No. The Hydra. I, Hydra. A, yes! Hydra. How did you okay. get that? It's just I mythology. Was, Oh, I, I so I know I compl- I was like he's gonna get this wrong. Like I was for sure you're gonna get that wrong. Yeah. And I was gonna give you a hint, yeah, to get you to Hydra, but you didn't need it. I didn't need it this time. You cut off one head and two more. Hence Hydra and Marvel. Exactly. I was Got gonna it. give you a Marvel hint. Oh. Okay. Next one. Mm-hmm. Two out of five. Listen to this. Which is the only main character in a Disney movie who does not talk throughout the entire film? Uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Oh, that's a good guess. That's Incorrect. Not true. Not Sorcerer true, Mickey says something. Yeah, I had a question. Oh, I give oh, you a I question. It, I on this. I'm sorry, Wally. Wally. Oh, that's another good guess. Incorrect, though. What? These are good guesses. These, I mean, All right, doing... uh, there's one more. Uh, is it that? Um, oh, no, that's not just. I don't know. Who are you thinking of? There's like you this, right. um, like a, this doll that comes to life. That's not it. Who is it? Uh, Dumbo. Oh shoot! Wait, Dumbo doesn't talk. <laughs> Dumbo doesn't. The uh. the original Dumbo, the me, he's the only main character that doesn't. He doesn't talk throughout the. All right. Throughout the I'm film. just gonna put a call out to the listeners. Fact check that. Please. Okay. He's the only <laughs> only main character who doesn't talk. All right. Easy um, visit podcast at gmail.com. This that. is fact. This is from a this is from a pretty uh, All right. legitimate site. I'm going. All right. Number three. How far apart are the trash cans in Disney World? So it actually varies, but the idea being that no one has to travel more than 10 steps to throw trash away. So I'm going to say 20 feet. So you're right. It, this says it in steps, so that's great. You're wrong about the 10. It's 30 steps. The 30 average steps. is 30 okay. steps, no more than 30 so, steps. So I said 20 feet? You said 30. 20 feet, okay. but 10 steps. Okay. Yeah, it's close. Closer than that's other close. parks. Closer than Six Flags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so this is an interesting one. How many? Oh no, I'm sorry. Forgot what I just said. Next, number it's not, four. It's not interesting. I'm sure, it's interesting. How many? T- it is interesting. How many times has Disney closed to the public since it's been open? Let's say. Yes. Well, there's like this. two, right? Obviously two, but then there's been some weather. So I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three for weather and say five. Oh. It's, it's four. It's eight. Oh wow! Yeah, more weather than times. I thought. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's closed a, a total of eight times, and that includes COVID. That's the most recent COVID, time. and then 9-11 it closed. Yep. Yep. All right. Nice job, Justin. So you're doing Wait, one, two. I'm going to do like two and a half. Two and oh, half you points. did. Oh, you did. Okay, so one and a half. Uh, last one, <laughs> number five, is which section of Magic Kingdom has no bathrooms? Uh, I know this one. Do you? Yeah, this is um, uh, Liberty Square. Okay. So yeah, it's Liberty Square, and I actually know this because they brought this up on a recent Unlocking the Magic podcast episode. Oh, The idea being that like there were no bathrooms in 
There were no bathrooms back then. No bathrooms, no plumbing in 1700s. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought that was a really cool That's thing. Cool, yeah. That's great that Yeah, just you two that. weeks ago they did that, yeah. Oh, cool. Thanks, Bruce, cool. And, thanks Bruce and Connie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you earned me a point. Well, it was funny because I saw that and I was like, no, I like I would have assumed that couldn't be because like like thinking about the trash cans, like how thoughtful they were about that. But now I'm thinking of when we were in Liberty Square. Um, yeah, there's no bathrooms there. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of like a challenge to me, though. <laughs> challenge Disney doesn't want to make. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Okay, so you... Uh, five for five. Thanks one, a lot. Two, <laughs> I'll give you three. Those are good. Was how did you feel about that mix? I want to check in with you to see how how you're feeling about how this relationship is working out yeah. with a stumps Jack. Well, here's the thing. Uh, sometimes it can be challenging to pretend not to know the answer. Yeah. To make you feel good. Oh. Because I know all the answers. Ooh. But sometimes it can be a little challenging to pretend, mm. and also you know for suspense for the listener. <laughs> but uh, I'm willing to continue to pretend to not know everything. <sighs> It sounds hard, Justin. It, it sounds hard. But you know what? Uh, I think everybody appreciates yeah. it. I'll do it for the podcast. <laughs> All right. So that finishes up a Stumps J. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. All right. Let's head right into Mailbag. And we got some mail this week. So Yay. we have two items. Huh? Uh, one item is from Marilyn, who was a guest on the show last week. She just wrote in to correct herself uh, on the previous episode. When we were talking about um, pork cooked in the ground, she said chicharron, and she meant to say Kahlua pork. So, thank you very much, Marilyn. Uh, to be completely honest, I find myself fact-checking uh, myself while I edit these and just cut out all the mistakes I made. <laughs> and when I can't cut them out, I figure, hey, it's, it's good for audience engagement. So, I'm glad you caught that mistake, and thanks for writing in. All right, and we've got another one, actually. So, a, ah. another message from Big Daddy Small World. This is, he's written into Big us Daddy before. Big Daddy Small World, yeah. Yes. All right, so, thanks for writing back. We were talking about uh, Cora Tinga Tinga last time. And I talked about um, the lute-type instrument that he was playing. And Big Daddy Small World writes in and says, well, that is a kora. That's the name of that instrument. It's a, it's a kora. And uh, he's also seen one playing a similar-looking instru- instrument in Harambe, a ngoni. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Ngoni. Uh, N-G-O-N-I. Like, I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. So that, thanks, Big Daddy Small World. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. No, I'm. that's great. I appreciate that's like really we appreciate the feedback. Yes, we do. And yes, we do. So now that I know Cora is the instrument, I'm like, well, what does Tinga Tinga mean? So that sent me on a bit of a rabbit hole. Are you ready to come with me? I'm New ready. segment: Mailbag Rabbit Holes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it got me curious about the derivation of Cora Tinga Tinga. Um, so Tinga Tinga is an administrative ward in the Manduli district of the Arusha region in Tanzania. Okay, so it's it's a locality, yeah. all right? Tinga Tinga is a locality. It's a region populated by the Maasai, like the traditional African uh, culture, cattle-based culture. Okay. So yeah, the Maasai people live in the African countries of Kenya and Tanzania. So the African village Harambe in Africa, in Animal Kingdom, is modeled after a Kenyan port city. Right? I figured it was. So we got a Kenyan port city, and yeah. we've got someone there with a Kora, that goes by Cora Tinga Tinga. So I mean, it's potential. Like it's possible that they're like a traveling musician from Tinga Tinga, Tanzania. Oh, maybe. And they're just hanging out in Harambe. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got more though. Tinga oh. Tinga continues. So Tinga okay. Tinga has another meaning, uh, and it actually refers to a specific genre of art. The genre is named after its founder, a Tanzanian painter named Edward Said Tinga Tinga. 
So I don't know if like the name comes from like the location or or what, but the art style is named after him, uh, the Tinga Tinga art wow. style. Do you, did you get information about the style? I'd be curious to see it. I did, and actually, you did see it. So Tinga Tinga art is characterized as like tourist art. It's very bold colors. It's usually animals, and uh, very vibrant colors. So have we seen anything recently? Is this ringing yeah, a bell now? Yes, yes, the show. Yeah, we Tinga, watched Tinga, the... What's the full name? It's Tinga Tinga. Tinga Tinga Tales. Tinga Tinga Tales, that's yes. right. That's right. So, it was, the art in that is beautiful. Yeah, so it's an animated series for like preschool age kids. It uses this Tinga Tinga illustration style to bring African folklore to life. Yeah. Disney bought the rights to that as well. Disney Playhouse. Interesting. So yeah, there's a couple of things here, but... Uh, another thing I'm thinking like so yeah this Tinga Tinga art style is bold and vibrant and if you think about Cora Cora Tinga themselves sometimes it's a male portraying character and sometimes it's a female they're dressed in bold colors and it's a vibrant music right yeah Um, also this Tinga Tinga art is tourist art and I mean who are we when we visit Harambe yeah we're tourists right so it's kind of it could be like yes this is Cora from Tinga Tinga or this is Cora the artist that you tourists will enjoy. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, there's so much in Animal Kingdom though, honestly. Like, you could have, you could spend so many days there that I want to pay attention next time to see, like, if I notice it more, that art, like that style of art around mm. that I just didn't see. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, there's a hidden Mickey there, and it's, it's just Mickey, like a full illustration oh. of Mickey on the wall, and it says, um, Hidden Mickey. In, uh, no, it doesn't. Local language, though. So, yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. Uh, and I would, it, it is a bold color. I don't know. That could be considered Tinga Tinga. He's an animal. It's bold color. Usually, they they use like bicycle paint, many layers of bicycle paint. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's cool. Yeah, there's definitely some Tinga Tinga in Harambe. We cool. should definitely check it out. I, I, I'd love to. That art. The yeah, and I would check out the tales if you can. Do we find it on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Tinga Tinga wanna, Tales. Yeah, but it's great, definitely great for for kids and families. But the art is just—it's beautiful, and the stories are really cool. Yeah, I like that. All right, so that wraps us up for news, trivia, uh-huh. mailbag, yeah, rabbit holes, rabbit holes, the forest, <laughs> the forest. <laughs> All right, so I'd like for you to stay tuned for our travel planning segment. We're going to talk about the Galactic Star Cruiser. I'm real excited. That's exciting. Booking October 28th, right around the corner. That's exciting. I have to like let myself think about that and immerse in what it's supposed to be a little bit more because I don't know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you'll know a lot more by next week because we're, we're going to do a travel planning segment on character development. Yes. That's going to be fun. That's right. And then after that, we've got an interview with Dave who recently went to Batu himself. Uh, he had a nice Disney trip with his daughter and we're going to learn more about that. He's got a lot of great info. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, stay tuned for the rest. Thanks, Autumn. As the earlock slides open, your whole world changes. Step off the launch pod and into your very own epic Star Wars story, one where you will decide your fate. While your story unfolds, you'll have the power to choose your path. Will you follow the rule of the First Order, or join the Resistance in a secret plot? Strike a bargain with a gang of smugglers, or sit back, sip a cocktail, and watch it all from a safe distance? The choice is yours, 
you are the hero of your very own Star Wars adventure. That's right, friends. Today we are talking about the new Galactic Star Cruiser experience at Walt Disney World. It's billed as a first-of-its-kind experience, a space cruise that takes several steps beyond theming. This isn't a space or a Star Wars-themed hotel. This is a two-day story that you can either participate in fully or just sit back and watch, or honestly, anything between those two. So if it's not obvious, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm a huge fan of sci-fi and fantasy, I really enjoy the Star Wars universe, and I'm actually fascinated by live-action role-playing. Okay, so today, first we're going to talk about what to expect on this two-day journey. Then we'll get into the more mundane, earthbound details, like how do you book it and what it'll look like. We'll then talk about some add-ons available for the experience, and then we'll talk about how to prepare for your voyage. Part of that, at the last bit, we'll talk a little bit about role-playing and developing a character. So let's start with the experience, what to expect. Well, it's a two-night stay, a two-day adventure. You'll be checking in at the launch terminal between one and four on day one of your journey. Don't be late. You might miss out on some important details. Checkout is at 10 a.m. on the third day, so it's a total of a 45-hour journey, including your sleep time. You'll be boarding the Halcyon, a galactic star cruiser run by the Chandrilla Starline. Chandrilla is known for their luxury accommodations. The Halcyon is actually the crown jewel of their line. This is not a Star Commuter 2000 piloted by some half-programmed pilot droid. We're talking Corellian MPO 1400 model star cruiser. We're talking luxury accommodations, polished staff, and state-of-the-art armaments. Just in case things get a little dicey out there. The Star Cruiser is equipped with many windows, so you can see out into space, including your cabin. So on day one, you'll arrive at the terminal and launch to the Star Cruiser. When you aboard, there'll be light refreshments, a ship orientation, and some sabacc lessons, if you don't already know how to play. There's a captain's reception, and dinner that night will be in the Crown of Corellia dining room. So at night, the dining room transforms into an in-table service supper club. There'll be live music, performed by some of the most talented performers the galaxy has to offer. There's bridge training and additional entertainment that first evening. You'll return to your cabins and enjoy the luxury accommodations that the Halcyon has to offer, including a TV, a porthole for viewing, and other luxurious amenities. Day two will start with breakfast aboard the Halcyon, uh, and at some point in the day there'll be an excursion to Batuu. You'll visit Black Spire Outpost, a galactic trading post. At the outpost, you can visit Onaka Transport Solutions, where many famous and infamous ships are known to dock for repairs. The gentleman who runs the place, Hondo Onaka, is said by some to be involved in smuggling. If you've got the skills and maybe the look, maybe he'll ask you to make a run. You also have the option to explore the area around Black Spire Outpost, and you might run into a resistance base. There's been a recent rise in resistance, so you might even get recruited. Please be careful with that lot. There's a bit of friction in Black Spire Outpost. You'll find a First Order presence there, and if you look carefully, you might see the underground resistance presence as well. In fact, if you know the right people, you can connect directly with the resistance. Rumors have it there's an underground operation, putting the tools of the Jedi into worthy and willing hands. There are lots of other opportunities for you to depart with some of that Batuan spirit burning a hole in your vest. You can build a custom astromech at the Droid Depot. There'll be an opportunity later for you to race that on the Star Cruiser. 
you can do some shopping at the Black Spire Outpost Market. You can buy everything, from a new robe to a Kowakian monkey lizard. Though I recommend doing some research on monkey lizards before making that plunge. Everyone wants one when they're pups, but the Kowakian shelters always swell up a couple months after life day. If you're looking for something special, something rare, maybe something... illegal, there's a shop run by a clever Ethorian collector, Doc Ondar. He's got some real treasures from all corners of the galaxy, and he's always looking for more. So if you're running low on Spira and have something valuable, talk to Doc. Be prepared to bargain. He is shrewd. And if you're thirsty, hopefully you would have made a plan to visit Oga's Cantina. The drinks are good. The music here is pretty decent. They've got a repurposed pilot droid spinning your favorites from around the galaxy. Overall, a fun spot as long as those ancient power converters running the place hold up. Lunch at Docking Bay 7 is covered in your cruise cost. Here you can enjoy the food prepared by Chef Strano Cookie Tugs. Back on the Halcyon on day two, there's a lot of choices, a lot to keep you occupied. You'll have the option to train with a lightsaber for those guests seven years or older. We don't want to give lightsabers to five-year-olds. You can race an astromech droid, build a model ship, and participate in a sabacc tournament. Day 2 concludes with Taste Around the Galaxy Dinner, where courses are inspired by the geography and environments of iconic destination planets throughout the galaxy. So some really wonderful, exciting food here. The next day it's breakfast and a shuttle back to Earth. Throughout all of this, there is story. So you'll have the opportunity to interact to the degree that you're comfortable with. These characters on Block Spire Outposts or these characters aboard the Halcyon. You can become as involved with the members and story of your cruise as you like or as uninvolved and just sit back and watch. Food seems to be a big part of the luxury that the cruise line offers. I encourage you to check out the dining link in the show notes. Uh, just to see some pictures of the food that will be available. Uh, in addition to the dining room aboard the Halcyon, there's also uh, the Sublight Lounge. If you, you'd like to have a cocktail, maybe play a little bit of Sabacc. All right, so that's the story of your Galactic Star Cruise. Uh, I think a, a quick thumbnail that didn't include any spoilers or other unforeseen incidents like attacks or smuggling operations that may be part of your story. Uh, let's talk about now some of the mundane earthly concerns. <laughs> okay, so uh, in terms of booking your voyage, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is talking about cost, because this is a luxury experience. This is expensive. Apparently, it costs a lot of money to launch you into outer space, into a galaxy far, far away. It's, you know, it's this 45-hour uh, experience, probably 16 of which you'll be sleeping, but for this entire experience, two nights, uh, for two people in one cabin, the standard cabin, it's $4,809, so uh, $4,809. And these, all these estimates are for, for low season. For three people, it would be $5,299, and for four people, it's uh, $5,999, so $6,000 for four people uh, sharing one standard cabin. Suites and captain suites are also available. I don't have the pricing on those just yet. But to put this into perspective, uh, say it's a 45-hour experience, right? You get there at 1 and you leave there at 10, at 10 a.m. on the third day. If you spend 16 hours of those sleeping, then you're, you're paying about $50 an hour if you, go with, if you share a cabin with three other people. So this is expensive. So voyages will be starting March 1st. 
bookings open for the general public are starting on October 28th. Uh, some people have earlier booking windows, but you would have been notified by email if you're eligible. I've looked at the booking calendar, and as of right now, most of March is already booked out. Uh, the last week of March uh, is still available. Paying for this works a little bit differently than a regular Disney vacation. For this, 20% of the total is due at the time of booking by credit card. The remaining balance is going to be due 90 days prior to arrival. So if you're booking for four people in one standard cabin, $6,000, you're going to need $1,200 up front. If you're booking less than 89 days out, uh, payment actually needs to be made in full by credit card. There's no courtesy holds, so you can't ask to hold a room without putting any money down. Before 90 days, the trip is refundable. Uh, between 89 and 31 days out, only 50% of the cost is refundable. And when you're 30 days or less out, there's no refund available. It's also important to note, after 90 days, you can't make changes to the dates. So your dates are locked in after 90 days. Um, and the lead guest must remain the same. So you cannot transfer the reservation to someone else after the 89 days. Since this is only two nights, you'll probably want to consider a pre or post uh, stay at Disney World. So you can enjoy the parks if you're, if you're already down there. And it'd be good to have that an idea of that before booking the experience. Speaking of booking this experience, you can't do this online. Bookings must be completed by phone. So when you call, you'll need to have the names and the ages of the people that are going, uh, your choice of cabin type, uh, your preferred dinner seating, whether it's first or second, and any of the additional experiences, any of the add-ons that we'll talk about. Uh, one thing I want to mention before we get into the add-ons is that for pre-booking, the waits to talk to a Galactic Star Cruiser specialist have been long. They all, they're only having the people specially trained in booking the Galactic Star Cruiser book this. So it's a bit bottlenecked. And honestly, uh, you're probably better off using a free Disney travel planner for this just because of the wait times, unless you really love being on hold or waiting for a call back, in which case, go for it. So let's talk about some of these add-ons that you're going to want to know when you're booking it. So there's the captain's table. So this is $30 per person. Uh, this gives you additional courses and you sit in a special table, captain's table. So additional courses and prime location for uh, viewing the dinner show. For $30 a person, considering the cost of this vacation, seems to me to be a pretty good value. Uh, if I'm going to drop $6,000 on four people, I'm probably also going to go ahead and drop that extra $120. So something else you want to arrange when you make this booking is if you plan on visiting Oga's Cantina. So there's no fee for entry, you just have to pay for food and beverage that you order when you're there, but you're going to want to book this 60 days out. And the reason for that is you want to be able to participate fully in the story experience, and if they know when you'll be in Oga's, they can arrange for different plot points to happen at different times. Uh, and that's going to go with all of these add-ons, like um, the Droid Depot, which does cost $99 plus tax, and Savi's Workshop, that's where you'll be able to build that custom lightsaber, and that's $219.99 plus tax. You'll want to book all of these 60 days out and do it with the specialist, uh, the Star Cruiser specialist, like I said, so they can make sure that you still experience everything this Star Cruiser voyage has to offer. And also, so if these plot points need to be interwoven into those areas, uh, it can be done so. All right, so let's talk about how to prepare for your voyage. Guess what? There are costume guidelines. What's pretty cool here 
um, is on the ship, people can dress as their favorite characters. Most of the time in Disney World, you can't dress as a character. On the ship, on the Halcyon, you can dress as your favorite characters. Uh, they don't want you posing for pictures or signing autographs, but you can dress up. That includes headgear. So I'm thinking like a, a Togruta, like Ahsoka Tano with the head tails. Uh, no face masks though. Uh, no, nothing covered the face for anyone 14 years or older and nothing, uh, no weapons or anything that can be construed as a weapon with the exception of a lightsaber. Which I find interesting. <laughs> now, in Galaxy's Edge, this is where it gets a little different. The Star Cruiser website says you need to find Galaxy's Edge guidelines. And Galaxy's Edge guidelines are different. They basically, in the past anyway, have said it's fine to do what they call Disney bounding. You can dress in a way that is inspired by the world, but you cannot portray a character in the world. However, in doing the research for this, I'm getting a bad request page when I look at the Galaxy's Edge portion of the Walt Disney World appropriate attire page. So I don't know if that means they're changing something um, because it'd be kind of a bummer to, to get dressed up in the morning uh, and then have to get out of your character's costume to go down to Batu and then head back. But at the same time, is it really fair to have people staying at the Star Cruiser be able to dress in character in Galaxy's Edge and not allowing regular visitors to Galaxy's Edge to play a character as well. So this is interesting for me. I'm wondering what they're going to do with this. But as of right now, what it looks like is you can dress in costume on the Halcyon, but when you do your excursion to Batu, you could not be in costume, but you can what they call Disney bound. So you can dress in jeans and a vest and something that's vaguely inspired by the Star Wars universe. All right, so you got your dress, you got your costume, you're looking good. The next thing you want to consider is the data pad. So the data pad is going to be essential for your voyage. You want to download the Play Disney Parks app before you depart. So within this app, there is the Star Wars data pad. So it's not only not only the place to access your itinerary and interactive features on the ship and Batuu, but it's also going to be essential to the story, right? We're talking about getting messages from crew members or other characters you meet along the way. Technology-wise, they want data in Bluetooth on and to be connected to the internet. They want you to allow location services they also want you to use a magic band or they'll be calling them the data band on the ship and this is really to, to track where you are basically and make sure that uh, the story is going the way it should be for you so another thing you can do to, to prepare is learn how to play sabak uh, this is something uh, i'm looking forward to uh, and there's a link in the show notes on some youtube videos for how to learn to play sabak even if you don't really want to get into playing a character, even if you just want to go, to get yourself excited for this, I think it'd be good to immerse yourself in the Star Wars universe a little bit. So in terms of movies, I think uh, episodes seven through nine are probably the most appropriate for uh, this voyage. If you are into comic books, uh, the Age of the Resistance comic books are around the same timeline. And I, I can't talk about rec recommendations for Star Wars if I don't talk about the Thrawn trilogy. So it's before seven or nine, it's, it's after six. It's after the fall of the empire. It, it involves like a an empire struggling to regain control. And it's just really great character development. Um, Admiral Thrawn is the villain, but he's just probably um, one of my favorite villains in any sci-fi book. He's, he's intense. He's intelligent um, and he's multi-dimensional. 
So I think the last way you can prepare, and this would maybe be for, not for everybody, but definitely for me if I ever make it there, and that's to design a character for your roleplay. And I think this is where I can maybe set my travel planning services apart from others. Um, I know a lot of great travel planners that do great work and honestly know more about Disney World uh, than I do, you know, and um, but I think what makes me especially valuable uh, for booking a Star Cruiser journey is I'm a complete nerd and I love role playing and I love Star Wars. And if you or anyone in your family or everyone in your family want to develop characters, I can help with that. I would love to help with that. <laughs> So if you book with me, I can definitely help you with that. Heck, even if you don't book with me and you want to set up some time to talk about character development, I'd love to do it. I have some experience with RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons. I have a lot of experience with Star Wars canon and not just the Star Wars canon, but fantasy and sci-fi tropes that you can pull in to character uh, and story elements for yourself. This can really bring your vacation to the next level uh, if you're into it or if you... And maybe you don't know if you're into it and you just want to talk about what this would look like. I'd like to talk to you about what this could look like. I mean, if you're going to spend $6,000 for four people for 45 hours, I'm, I'm going to get everything. I'm going to squeeze every last penny of enjoyment out of that. And I think a story or characters will just really help you enjoy it. So in developing a character, we can make that as simple or as complex as you like. If you want a five page backstory, we can do a five-page backstory. If you want a quick character mock-up, we can do that too. So on an upcoming episode, um, I'm gonna walk you through character development. And I'd like to do that with Autumn because she's not a nerd like me. I'd like to help her set up a character. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. So if any of this sounds exciting to you, if you have any more questions about this, or you just wanna start talking about characters, or if you wanna do some preparation, so on the 28th when it opens, I can book this for you, go ahead and shoot me an email, easydizitpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you right away. Once again, really excited about the Galactic Star Cruiser, looking forward to talking to you about the Galactic Star Cruiser, and looking forward to hearing about your experience after you come back. All right, friends, good journey and may the spires keep you. So today on the show, we have an acquaintance of mine, someone I've known for at least 10 years now. We became acquainted through the Gathering of the Vibes Music Festival in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, I was uh, volunteering on the phone bakes and uh, David did the radio vibes. So he was the, the radio station for the music festival. Uh, recently, David posted some vacation photos on Facebook and I just jumped on the opportunity to learn more about Dave and his trip. So please join me in uh, talking to my long-term acquaintance and hopefully new friend, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. How was that? Uh, how was that intro? That intro was great. <laughs> All right. The number is 908 That's right. 203. <laughs> um, so we've, we've talked like a little, you know, briefly in person and probably more on Facebook and maybe the old vibes forums. Mm -hmm. um, but Disney never came up. No. <laughs> in general, where would you place yourself in terms of like Disney fandom? Um. I definitely enjoy the the resorts and the parks and some of the films. I'm not a you know 
Not a huge fan of the newer stuff, but I love the old animation. You know, the old yeah. Mickey and Donald cartoons. Oh, really? I have a uh, I have a Steamboat Willie pin on my uh, on my festival hat. Yes, front and center. <laughs> wow. So, all right. So, I've definitely seen your hat, but um, I wasn't looking closely enough. We could have bonded then. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, growing up, did you watch? Were you were Disney any particular Disney films? Were they did they strike a chord with you? Or you know, not not particularly. I think I was a lot more exposed to the Warner Brothers stuff, and uh, and of course Hanna Barbera, yeah. and Disney. I mean, Disney was once a week on TV. Okay, you know, on Sunday nights on the Wonderful World of Disney, which before that was actually Disney's Wonderful World of Color. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a very late stage boomer, so. Um, <laughs> Color TV was a was a huge thing, so it was Wonderful World of Color before it became Wonderful World of Disney. And at that point, they were bringing in a lot more live action than mm. than anything else. I remember seeing Peter Pan in a school auditorium, and I saw Winnie the Pooh, and I was actually kind of disappointed with Winnie the Pooh because I'd grown up on the books and Sam Shepard's illustrations. Yes. And the, you know, the Disney animators' renderings of the characters hit me totally wrong. Oh. So, you know, growing up, I was sort of a, sort of a Disney skeptic. And then as I got, as I got into my twenties and I was working in animation, you know, animators would point me toward, you know, the, the earlier, uh, Mickey cartoons. Okay. You know, something like, something like uh, brave little Taylor, which is, you know, maybe Mickey at his best. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm not familiar with that brave little Taylor. Yeah. So, and I was probably during the, you know, during Disney's big, you know, 90s, late 80s, 90s renaissance, I think mm-hmm. I was probably too old and I didn't have young children. So I wasn't really on that wave. But I did go to Disney for my honeymoon in in 92. Was that your uh, first experience at Disney? Um, that actually was my, my first experience in Florida. I'd gone to, to uh, Disneyland in Anaheim, early very early 70s oh cool that must have been fun yeah it was that was back in the days when there really were e-tickets right. oh you had the ticket book we had the ticket book oh that's great you had to budget yourself so carefully <laughs> but uh you know nothing like today's uh today's world of navigating fast passes or now it's lightning lanes yeah and... soon to be replaced by genie service or whatever yeah <laughs> Um, so that first uh, trip to the Florida Disney World, uh, you said that was for your honeymoon? That was. Oh, that's cool. 92. So that was um, Splash Mountain. I know Splash Mountain was there, and I went on it a bunch of times. Space Nation, Space Mountain was still new and a big deal. Uh, big Thunder might have been there. I just don't recall. And in those days, Hollywood Studio was called, uh, I think it was called the MGM Studios or something. Yes, Disney MGM, yep. The great movie ride was in in action. Um, mm-hmm. Phenomenal ride, and uh, you know we had the sort of the animation tour, and the big the big deal at the time was the the new upcoming animated uh, feature based on Hamlet with music by Elton John. 
tell me about that. What about? Um, well, it was about a kid whose uh, uncle killed the king and usurped power. Hamlet, right? Hamlet. Killed the king and usurped power. And music by Elton John. So it was really Hamlet? Lion King. Lion King. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Whoa. I'm telling you, that's, that's what they said. <laughs> so that trip in 1992, did you say it, that converted you to like a pretty solid Disney Park fan? Was it that? I enjoyed the parks. It was not, mm-hmm. you know, it was not that big a deal. I would say the one that mm-hmm. really converted me was a big family trip in 2008. Okay. Where um, my mother-in-law had inherited a lot of money and wanted to do something for the whole family. And we all, mm-hmm. you know, went and, you know, we went big. We stayed at the Grand uh, Floridian. It was, you know. Yes. I mean, you know, it was like it, we went big. I mean, that's where the Tanners stayed when they when they went. But, you know, the Full House Tanners, they stayed yeah. at the Grand Floridian. So, you know, it's and, good. Oh, yeah. And my kids at that point were five, nine and twelve. Good spread. So kind of seeing it through the eyes of the five year old especially was, uh, you know, was really a big deal. And at that point, I was a little older and maybe a little less skeptical and yeah. hardened. And, you know, was, I kept reminding myself, and this is something I do every time I'm there. And it's, it's advice I would pass on to anyone going. Yeah. Look around, take a breath and realize everything there is for you. Everything was designed for a reason. Everything is exactly where it's supposed to be for a reason. And it's all for you. Wow. And how many places in the world are like that? Very few. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think going back, I didn't go back for seven years. So 2015 was the next uh, trip. And that was just sort of, you know, mind blowing because by that point it was, you know, the full megalopolis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, every year the crowds get bigger. They add more rides. It's it's astounding, really, how big it's gotten. Yeah. the And well... I just came back, and it's obviously reduced in capacity mm-hmm. uh, a bit. And masks are, you know, in effect everywhere that you go indoors. Yeah. So you went in um, September of this year, just a, just a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was just really last week. Yeah, late September, last week of September. So I got you fresh. This is great. This is great. Yes. Uh, and I, the crowds were low, right? The, uh, I heard the September crowds were pretty low. September crowds were pretty low. I mean, lines, the only place they had big lines would be uh, Rise of the Resistance, mm-hmm. um, Star Wars, and then actually the, the Slinky Doggy Dash. Yes, the lines are that always seem to be long. Which I looked at and, you know, the app said 50 minutes and we had other plans and I was thinking yep. they probably exaggerate, but that's still more time than I want to spend, although the coaster looks really cool. Yeah. It's a nice steel coaster with some bank turns on it. Yeah. You know, based on uh, Slinky the dog from Toy Story. Yeah. It's got two nifty launches. It looks pretty zippy. It's, you know, got bank turns, no inversions or anything, but Mm -hmm. it looks like a fun ride. My uh, daughter, she's uh, she's like 20 months now, but she's obsessed with dogs. So that's what she asked for more than anything else. Is she, if my phone comes out, she says doggy, doggy, and she wants to watch the roller coaster video. Mm-hmm. I put her in my lap and I like make pretend we're doing the, the oh, banks cool. and the ups and the downs. <laughs> yeah, she's still at least a year or two from 
getting the most out of it. I've always wondered how the families who have younger kids and then a baby or a toddler with them do it, because it seems like starting at about four or five is the ideal age for little ones. Yeah. I think my son was five and his cousin was four when they went. So she got a she got a real blast out of going to the Bibbidi Bobbidi boutique and getting the full princess oh. makeover. Oh, that how was that? Well, it looked great on her. Probably wouldn't have looked so good on my son. <laughs> you never know. And well, and they do the the pirate stuff now too. So you can, if you want yeah. the full pirate. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, at this point, all my kids are adults, and I, I will say, my daughter is a cast member. Oh, so she did. She did. Uh, she uh, two college programs. Uh, she went to a school for culinary. Right. So she's done everything from Epcot food and wine to uh, Cinderella's royal table. Yeah, wow. So I'm recalling now some pictures that you've shared on the internet. Yeah. Uh, your daughter your, the, that's in culinary school, really some beautiful stuff. So that makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah. So she's like, she's Disney quality. That That's why that looks so good. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, uh, she's, she's loving it. But uh, she had the days off. So, you know, I booked... Uh, I booked a room in one of the resorts and we did, you know, full vacation thing. That's awesome. How many days were you there? It was only three. I went down on a Sunday, arrived midday, left midday on Wednesday, and she had to go to work that day anyway. So gotcha. it worked out really nicely. Three nights at uh, Coronado Springs. We never left the property. Ah, Coronado Springs in the um, tower or one of the... Um... I would have to say the only downside of the whole thing is we were in the uh, the ranchos building 7A. So Coronado Springs, if you're not familiar with it, it's laid out in a ring around a very large lake. Okay. And uh, so building 7A is diametrically opposite and about as far from the food court and gift shop area as you can get. Uh, Fortunately, gotcha. there are bridges that go across the lake and a restaurant in the middle and on the upside the big resort pool was in the section near the ranchos so i had a pretty short walk to the pool and then so the, the tower which is spectacular um you know does not have the the food court or the gift shop or anything like that but it's got a beautiful coffee shop downstairs the, i forget what it's called if it's called barcelona or um i don't think that's the name of it it's great coffee shop good coffee and then it has up on top, it's got the Dahlia Lounge in Toledo, okay. which is where my daughter worked before the lockdown. Got it. When all the, you know, everything closed. So she ended up losing that job and, uh, you know, finally got called back after many months of uncertainty. Awesome. She got back in there. But uh, she really liked uh, Toledo because there were a lot of, you know, tapas plates and charcuterie and stuff like that. And it was very high end. Nice. So yeah, the tower is spectacular, but uh, you know, we got one of the regular rooms, but you know, a regular room in a moderate resort in Disney is perfectly adequate. And, uh, yes. <laughs> now I still prefer um, Port Orleans French Quarter because it has a, yes. uh, you know, it's another moderate, but it has a very small footprint and yes, you can be at the food court in the pool in three to five minutes from a room that's on the edge of uh, the uh, resort and it doesn't quite have as good a pool as Riverside but you can take the boat right over to French Quarter to French Quarter Riverside or yeah. Port Orleans Riverside and they have a really yep. good pool yeah 
or right over to Disney Springs. It's a good boat ride. Yeah, over there too. and I'm a you know I'm also a big proponent of the the resort pool. If you're staying on property, it's basically hit the park in the morning or midday. Do what you got to do, then get the hell out of the park. Get yes. back to the get back to the hotel and Dave. get some pool time in. Hundred percent, hundred percent, Dave. That is like that is the easy dizit motto right there. Yeah. Get out of the parks when it's hot. Get in your pool, especially if you're staying on site and you have one of these Disney pools. Yeah, you got to be there. You got to. Yeah, I mean, e- yeah. you know, even the even the value resorts have great pools. Yeah, and I've not, you know, I've not stayed at an All Star or at uh, Pop Century or Art of Animation yet, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would uh, I would love to check out Pop Century. Yeah, especially now it has the Skyliner. Yeah, last time I was, uh, we were there. Uh, we did a split stay. We were at All Star, and then we went to Port Orleans French Quarter. And yeah, French Quarter is just great. It's beautiful, and we enjoyed that much more. <laughs> yeah. So you had uh, mentioned—I don't know if you mentioned it in the intro or when we were chatting beforehand—about uh, you know the mindfulness approach to uh, mm-hmm. Disney, which can be a big challenge as you have younger kids. I guess the saying goes: expect one meltdown per child per day. <laughs> when you're there and I would assume you just kind of have to have to roll with it yeah. but you know as I said part of it is stop take a breath realize everything is mm-hmm. there for you and mm-hmm. secondly it's like yes it's okay to take downtime it's okay to nap in your room in the middle of the day it's yeah. okay to spend an afternoon at the pool instead of running around the parks like a maniac Yeah, and uh, you know like a good army travels on its stomach so yep. the Disney guests. Yes. Yes, Dave. <laughs> Especially the young Disney guest. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Keep them fed. Keep them fed. So well, so so what is your approach to mindfulness at uh, Disney parks? Well, I mean briefly, I think if they're kind of basically what you said before, um looking around like that's so easy to do at Disney World. It's so easy to be mindful because there's so much to look at. And especially like you said, if you just acknowledge the fact that this is here for you, that someone purposefully put this here for you and your job right now is to pay attention to it. They they set you up for mindfulness, I think at Disney. Oh yeah. You can though, like having said that, because it's such an exciting and high stimulation uh, environment. And if you're someone like me who maybe sometimes um, puts a lot of effort into planning and maybe can get fixated more on the plan than the moment. Uh, it might take a little bit more discipline to say, hey, just be here, you know. Um, but yeah, so I think so. I mean, so far, I think you fit right in with the, the Easy Dizzy crew. Um, and uh, I'm sending over the paperwork as we speak. I'm going to try and get you on board with a salary offer. Uh, <laughs> hey, awesome. I will have my people look at it. <laughs> All right. Good. Mickey, good. Mickey and Donald and Goofy will uh, check it out <laughs> for me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so on that trip, which, um, which parks did you go to the most recent trip? Uh, we hit everything except the one we didn't go to. <laughs> we yeah. went to, we went to uh, Epcot Hollywood studio. We didn't go to animal kingdom, but we did Epcot uh, Hollywood studios and, uh, we went to the kingdom twice mm-hmm. and we actually, for the first time uh, I went to a water park. So we had a wonderful afternoon that. at blizzard beach. Yeah, I've never been. You enjoyed it. I loved it. Of course, I'm like a kid when it comes to water parks. Okay. So uh, it was 
the blast. You know, we'd spent mid midday at Hollywood Studios, you know, from rope drop until we had enough. Mm-hmm. And then we just headed over to Blizzard Beach and chilled out. Yes, that sounds great. The only thing I would recommend for Blizzard Beach is if you like the water slides, you need one of those, you know, swimming shirts or surfing shirts or whatever they are. Ah, uh, the friction? Because it will, it will give you a little bit of friction on your back and you'll feel the seams in the slide going down. There's no way around it, so you kind of need the... Uh, that tight swimming shirt noted or surfing surfing <laughs> shirt that's the only thing oh i got a a monster bruise on my keister on one of those oh, no. things i don't know if it was i hit the side rail going however fast you go down that near vertical <laughs> plunge but uh, no regrets whatsoever no regrets <laughs> no i love water parks and then you know nice wave pool and the nice you know little raft river thing that goes around the park and reggae music oh, playing the whole time mixed oh, in with yeah. christmas music because it's a winter <laughs> winter theme it's like a, it's a melted ski resort i love that that's such a good concept for a water park and Isn't it is it? actually a really it is a really good place to cool down and just not just not do very much for half a day yeah I mean, if you think about it, Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom sort of both have the rep as half-day parks. Mm. So, you know, if you hit them at opening, um, you can spend an afternoon chilling at a water park and really, you know, instead of at the hotel pool, have a really good time and you'll be psyched for dinner at the end. Yes, yes, work up that appetite. Yes. So let's talk about that because you you went with your... You went with your daughter, so I imagine you went to some of the uh, better restaurants or enjoyed some of the better food. Tell me, what was your your favorite? Oh yeah, I always I always like to take her to the take her to the nice places. This time we went to Narcusis, which is in the uh, um, it's kind of a southern influenced surf and turf type of place in in the Grand Floridian, and we had a nice a nice window seat with a great view of the uh, a great view of the Magic Kingdom and the contemporary from where we sat. Oh, that's beautiful. That was that was pretty good. I had some really good uh, really good salmon. We ate at Chef Mickey's. Oh, you the character dinings. Yeah, there weren't a lot of choices, but I'd never been there, and she'd never been there for dinner. She'd had breakfast yeah. there, so it's kind of like, okay, I got my card punched. Mm-hmm. I think on the whole, it's sort of overpriced, but you're paying for the experience. Um, right. It was a buffet, but buffets have been discontinued at the moment, so with the, it's now family-style, what they call a reverse buffet, so they just mm-hmm. your server brings out everything to the table in kind of smaller portions and just ask for more of what you like. I will say the gnocchi there was really, really good. Yeah. And that sounds like something that like a gnocchi on a buffet tray might not do well, but if they're they're with the um, table, not table service, but a family style, maybe uh, it holds up a little bit better. It it held up really well. Um, my daughter really liked the potatoes au gratin. So actually, the sides were the big winners at that one. You know, I mean, the main course meats, there was prime rib, but it was pretty fatty. And I kind of had the impression that what they were getting were the off trimmings from another fancier restaurant. <laughs> from Narcusis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Victoria and Albert's or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. One of the fancier steakhouse, the stuff they cut off the prime rib 
yeah. goes to uh, goes to Chef Mickey's, and then there was turkey. But the roasted carrots that were in with the meats were just mm, they were yes they were good 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 salads there. So the sides were like the uh, the MVPs at right. Chef Mickey's, and other than that, we had a window seat again, and we saw the fireworks at Magic Kingdom. Right, because the timing was perfect, and of course, you know, you turn into a little kid when. You know, when Goofy and Mickey and Donald come out, you turn into a kid. I should comment on the character greetings. Um, You don't get up and stand next to the characters anymore. They stand in the background and you take selfies with them. Mm -hmm. And they'll do all kinds of antics and photobomb you and stuff. And that's how you So there's still some interaction. They're still doing everything they can for you, but you can't get next to them. But they will... You know, they'll come out. They turned in every table. We went to Epcot at Rope Drop, and Mickey and Minnie were, you know, at the entrance greeting people. And they, Mickey would make sure to get in everyone's photo. And actually, my daughter has a uh, a tattoo of a Minnie Mouse as a mandala on her shoulder. Whoa, that's so awesome. Mickey saw that and flipped out. He was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he patted his arms and made the heart sign. Yeah, and That's then uh, so then I had her um, show it to Minnie, and Minnie was like, <laughs> "Me, I love it." It was it was just so cute. I mean, you just turn into a kid when you see these characters. So yeah, got my card punched and did that. I will. We had a uh, lunch at uh, I think it was Cargo Bay Seven in Star Wars. Yeah, did not have the blue milk, but uh, we did have some wraps there, which was nice sort of an alien type extraterrestrial off-world kind of cantina theme but i would say the best meal of the of the trip was actually ale and compass really so uh don't sleep on your epcot epcot area uh resorts noted noted hear that everybody <laughs> yeah ale and ale and compass really good not as expensive as the signature dining and the character dining the food is just as good if not better really really good excellent i definitely need to do more disney dining you know when i'm older yeah i've hit that same age my kids are adults now it's like i get i have more fun making uh restaurant reservations than i do thinking about rides and i love rides but boy do i want to eat when i'm down there yeah absolutely absolutely tell me about um Maybe what what was the the best experiences in terms of either theming or rides or attraction experience that you had down there this this past trip? Well, top of the list has to be Star Wars at Hollywood Studios. Yeah. The last time I was actually in Hollywood Studios was 2015. And then on subsequent trips, um, my daughter was locked out. All, All the cast members were locked out. So, yeah, it just happens, you know, with availability. So she couldn't get in, you know. But this time we got in. So I'd never seen Star Wars, and it was spectacular. That's the word. You know, I'd mentioned Toy Story and the uh, and uh, Slinky's Doggy Dash, which is cool. But it's so great when you come around the corner from Star War from Toy Story, and now you're in Star Wars. The music changes. Yes. And it's got this, you know, spaceport vibe to it. And, you know, George Lucas, when he was talking about set design years ago, it said he wanted the world of Star Wars to be grimy, like a used world. Mm, Yes. And 
It has all the grime of New York subway in the 70s. Yes. And that's really interesting. You know, it is just deliciously dirty and uh, and worn and weathered. Yes. And uh, just beautifully, beautifully done. And, you know, we mentioned this on Facebook. You turn the corner and there's the Millennium Falcon in the... Just lose it. In that pit. And it's just your heart stops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Hundred percent. I had no idea what to expect. I hadn't read up on the area. I didn't expect to see that, and I was just, you know, stunned. Wow! So that was a surprise too. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was just super cool. The bathrooms really got me because you mentioned that like grime, yeah. right? And Disney's known for like their clean bathrooms, so they have to like make a place look like dirty and worn and used, but at the same time uphold their standard of like cleanliness. And I think they did that really well. Oh yeah, the, the 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 bathrooms in the Star Wars area are just—it's crazy because you walk in there and it looks like this really grimy, mm-hmm. you know, industrial factory spaceport kind of kind of bathroom, but you know mm-hmm. it's as spotless as Disney can keep it at the same yeah. time. Like the mirrors are etched to look grimy, but it's just yeah. etching. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything, you know, as I said, everything is there for a reason. It's all there for you. So uh, I didn't get to ride anything in Star Wars, but it was cool. What, what I did get to experience was Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Train, uh, which replaced yeah. the great movie ride. Right, right. Which I guess had uh, run its course. Yeah, sad much, to see it. Much like, much like Splash Mountain. before the the renovation um yeah so the runaway train ride is just you know the latest in technology and boy it kicks gore it is so good so this is one that i haven't actually seen the ride video for yet um but do yourself a favor and and don't (laughs) i'm gonna try i'm gonna try i've made it this long no spoilers just go But I've heard it's just, and I've heard about like some of the special effects at the beginning and stuff, just because I listen to a lot of podcasts and people talk and it's fine, but I haven't seen it. I had no idea. I had no idea what to expect. And then it just immediately was like mind blowing. (laughs) So yeah, we, we walked, as I said, we walked into uh, Hollywood studios, right at rope drop and you know, everyone broke left for Star Wars and Rise of the mm-hmm. Resistance. So we went, you know, straight up the center, hit the uh, runaway train and then broke right for Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror. Yes. I don't know why I go on Tower of Terror every time I'm there. It scares <laughs> the bejeebus out of me every time. <laughs> but you still do it. I do it every time. Yep. Yeah. I understand I don't, know, I don't know why. I just, uh, but yeah, that's the one that really scares me. You know, the rock and roller coaster, I just, you know, love. Yeah, so much fun. But you, I think with the rock and roller coaster, you're like stuck in your seat. But Tower of Terror, it, it throws you around. Like if that belt wasn't there. You'd, you'd hit your head on the ceiling. It goes faster absolutely. than gravity on the, on the downhill. Yeah. yeah. Plus it's also randomized so that uh, if you wrote it multiple times in a day, you'd get a different program each time. That's so cool. You went in there. So you really don't know what it's going to do. So you can't write it once and brace yourself for something because <laughs> right. it's going to just give you a different yeah. program the next time. There's one ride mode that's it's genius. The first movement isn't down, it's up. So yeah. you're like, you're thinking, oh, here we go. We're going down. And then whoop, you go up instead. Exactly. You know, like those, those doors will open and then you go, <laughs> you think you're about to drop, but <laughs> no, you're going up. <laughs> then you drop. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we managed to hit all the mountains in Magic Kingdom. Nice. Which was, you know, always always nice. You know, Splash Mountain, I think, is probably really due for a reimagining for multiple yeah. reasons. One, Lots obviously, reasons. is the the connection to Song of the South, mm-hmm. and also because it is just so old and the yeah. the technology is so has been surpassed by so much stuff at this point when they I guess it's the frog prints they're going to do yes when they finally the reimagine it and um that's going to be state of the art and that's going to kick Lord. I would assume that they're going to keep the same the same boat run the same flume yes. run and just build around it um yeah you know that's I think that's going to be great so I did get yes. it right on that for old time's sake Yes. Yeah. Last time, well, I was in Disneyland. We we uh, we were we weren't sure because it was like it was closing, and but we hadn't been on it yet. And we're like, it's not going to be here next time. So let's just go get soaked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you'll get just. We got soaked. <laughs> Getting soaked with a paper mask is not that much fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Because yeah. we were in the front and it just. You know, <laughs> it was funny thing. I. I messed up the photo because I had my hands up as we passed the vultures. Uh-huh. And then as soon as the drop started, I grabbed I grabbed, grabbed the, the bar, bar and then the flash went. And so it got me, you know, holding the bar instead of hands up. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't help it. <laughs> hey. Hey. I never look good and it doesn't matter. I've never once looked good in any of those ride photos. I always look yeah. like I'm confused or troubled or passing a kidney stone. It's never a good photo. Yeah, and that I got a good one from Rock and Roller Coaster on the takeoff. I think probably just because I have so much hair now that it went, you know. Yeah. It went like that because you're going like 60 <laughs> miles an hour when that thing shoots you into the tunnel. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good photo. That's a good photo. So that was that was definitely a good one. I know there are good ones of me on Dinosaur. Oh, when the Megalodon comes out, right? There's definitely one of me going. <laughs> <laughs> Shocked and surprised from the side. And even if you've been on it and you know it's going to happen, you can never remember exactly where it's going to be. Right. So it gets you every time anyway. But, you know, sadly, did not get to uh, Animal Kingdom this time. But uh, yeah. Hey, well, I mean, if you got three days, then you got you got three days. And, you know, basically the the agenda was just hang out in the pool after getting off the plane. Just relax. Mm-hmm. Then it was dinner in Magic uh, Kingdom because we were at Grand Floridian. Then the next day it was, you know, up early Epcot back to the hotel for the pool and then uh, and then dinner. And then you know, the next day was sort of the wild uh Hollywood, uh, Hollywood Studios, Blizzard Beach, back to the kingdom, and then dinner, kind of, kind of thing, um, which is easier to do with two people. I mean, two people turn the corner faster than a family of five or six. That's true. A lot less corralling. And- so that's kind of, you know, that, I guess if you're going in a larger group or you're going in a family, it probably makes sense to actually. Sp- split up the kids with the parents if you can do that i like that idea and uh so you're not all trying to do the same thing at the same time and you know if one kid's having a meltdown or needs some downtime one parent can handle it and then just hand it off to the other parent the next time the kid needs downtime and you know take one for the team that's that sounds like a great strategy when I went down with a group of uh, of five a few years ago with my family, we had, uh, you know, that was sort of take one for the team was kind of the uh, the running catchphrase because 
two, you know, we had two pairs and then there was someone who had to be single rider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was always, all right, I'll take one for the team. I'll have a single rider line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not the worst, right? Uh, the single rider lines are great. Oh, we, we did that plenty of time. That's how we got on Everest and bypassed the long line. <laughs> we yeah. just all got on as single riders and yes. just grabbed whoever. So it sounds like you had a, a pretty good trip. That's, yeah. That sounds pretty great. You packed a lot into three days. You got to see your daughter. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's great to spend some one-on-one time with her because when she comes up here, the whole family's here and there's more, you know, more of a ruckus. Mm-hmm. So when I'm down there, it's just the two of us. And it was really a pleasure to be able to stay in a resort and her having the the time off, you know, instead of staying in her apartment, which I've done. But uh, this time I'm like, I'm just paying for a resort. We're going to just vacation it. Solid dad move. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way you got to do it. And, uh, you know, the other advice I would say is, and I'm sure everyone says it on the show, if it's, you know, within your means, stay on property. Yeah. It really is nice. Yes, it really it is, is nice. So yeah, all in all, it was, it was great. It's, you know, it's a different, it's a different ball game as an adult. Yeah. There are a lot more things to do and see, and you'd be surprised how much is there that's entertaining for adults as well as the stuff that entertains kids. That's a great point. That's a great point. From the restaurants to those, all that little hidden stuff on, uh, on Main Street in the Magic yes. Kingdom. You ever listen in on the party line phones? Yeah, well, I know in the hat store, there's a, there's a, I yeah. listened in on that before. Yeah. 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 You go into the hat store, you pick up that old box phone on the wall and it's a party yeah. line. So you, yes. Oh, I spotted a, a hidden Mickey. Where did you see oh. a hidden Mickey? On the chairlift in Blizzard Beach, as it approaches the cliff, on one of the lower rocks, on the vertical face of the rock, there's a hidden Mickey. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the dark the dark pattern on the rock is unmistakably a mouse. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's something, that's another thing, like, in terms of, like, mindfulness. That's a good, like, that's like um, a reward for being mindful. Yeah. Right? It's like a little carrot, you know, if you're paying attention, you're going to see stuff. Yeah, and it's also sort of a great, you know, running contest with your, you know, with your family who can spot the most hidden Mickeys. Yes. Yeah. When I went by myself, that's when I did the best. Because you're just, what else are you going to do except stare at stuff? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. So, but I thank you so much for uh, talking to me about Disney. I always love a Disney conversation and this ranks among the best. Ah, well, thank you. I think we ran past half an hour. <laughs> and, but I have one more question for you okay. and it's not Disney related. Yep. So uh, you, you are a radio host. And if, if the, my listeners can't tell from your, your silky baritone and your high quality microphone that you're a radio host and I am um, a new podcast host. And I was just wondering if there's any recommendations in terms of interviewing or content or anything that you might uh, pass along to me? You know, I think you're doing a pretty good job. You know, you're, you're very upbeat. Your questions are good and you're very engaged. Um, okay. You know, putting a little more money into a microphone is always a really good investment. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did mention the $25 Walmart microphone. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of your stock in trade. So, you know, you can... Uh, you know, if you can, anytime you can upgrade a microphone, that's always, that's always a really good thing. Otherwise, you know, I think you've, uh, you know, I think you've got it. Love the people mover background. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the conversation and the little, the, the tips. 
Uh, and uh, I, I mean, I'd love to have you on again. That'd be great. I'd love to come back. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Take care. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I really enjoyed putting it together for you. Check out easydizit.com for more info or to contact us here at the show. If you'd like to learn more about booking a trip on the Halcyon or any other Disney or Universal vacation, please get in touch with me. I'd love to chat. It's uh, easydizitpodcast at gmail.com or check me out at easydizit.com. All right, until next time, easy dizit. Easy dizit.